You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee on a Tuesday night. It's been one of those weeks, Charlie, where it just seems like life comes at you in a hurry, man. Basketball, kids playing ball, we're all working. Indeed. Condensed week, Thanksgiving week. And so what we're going to do is we finally got to get to Sunday Coffee here on a Tuesday night. We're going to have our Tracks Plus Deep Dig tomorrow. And I guess we'll have our Sunday coffee maybe on Friday. See, I was going to propose something a little different. I was going to propose that we do our that we go ahead and do Sunday coffee now. That we basically have a coffee type show tomorrow morning. And then that the tracks plus deep dig rolls on Thanksgiving morning. Thanksgiving morning? Okay. So what you're saying we is got a long day. It's not like an eleven AM game. We do. Well, we and have. Let's be honest. At this point, if we were going to dig into anything, <laughs> do we care about digging into Jackson Dart, Judkins, and Dart, and the like, or do we care about digging into flight schedules and things of that nature? Have you dug into flight schedules? Here's what I have learned: there are some airplanes out there that are untrackable. Am I right for saying that? Oh, I would say that anything is trackable if. If you know where to track. If you just know where to look. Here is my thing. Um, In the day and age that we live, airplanes get pointed in a lot of funny directions for a lot of funny reasons. I know there was some discussion. Let's just say this. That plane travels for things unrelated to athletics. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. So, I I guess it's fun, but here's the bottom line. I don't, this is going to sound terrible when I say it. I don't care. I mean, I don't want to see the sausage made. Just let's feed feed me the meal. Yep. And my concern is when do we eat? <laughs> okay. In more ways than one. But yeah. That's a different issue. I think so. Well, we, we made it past this weekend. We won a football game. And so are we talking about Sunday coffee from this past weekend? Are we talking about from the last four to five days? Did anything happen yesterday or today that is of any kind of consequence? Yes. They did? I'll leave that for another day. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. So, is it a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. Okay. Good things. Uh, so, what you're going to do is you're going to – this is a teaser. You're just yeah. throwing that out a month no, from now. I we'll come back and that say, sometimes that's the way you do. You act like you know what you're talking about and, <laughs> and say, just wasn't at liberty to say, but I knew all along. No, let's do it this way. First of all, I would like to be retrospective, not prospective. That's kind of the nature of Sunday coffee. We look back at things that have happened more so than looking forward. So I don't want to yet start talking about Thursday. And mostly, I probably will not want to start talking about Thursday tomorrow either. In fact, Thursday, I probably won't really want to talk about Thursday, but that's (laughs) now we're getting out of hand. So let's do this. First, let's talk for a couple of minutes about the USM Mississippi State game. And I would like to make two quick observations. The first observation that I would like to make is that the gap 
between Mississippi State and the University of Southern Mississippi is pronounced. It is. And that's one of the things about, you know, people have talked about the NCAA, and they're finally beginning to say some things out loud. I mean, they actually said today that they see in the future 50 to 70 teams being a pronounced difference in college athletics. Yeah, and it just is. We all knew it was coming. And – Hey, I, I I hate it for the state of Mississippi that Southern Miss is in the situation that they are in. I'm I'm trying to be nice here, Charlie. You're kind of looking at me in a puzzled look. As someone who has you know family, friends, and people who have been some longtime supporters of that school, and they have had great success over their football history, and they're just a they're they're a program that jumped into the Sunbelt Conference just because it's the biggest, it's the best fit. But the difference now in Division I football, when you start looking at the Power Five conferences versus the non-Power Five conferences, there is a just a, just a gaping disparity. Now, in Las Cruces, New Mexico this morning, there's, Boy, a, there's, they're a, thinking, well, there's not a big disparity between. Hey, I watched that game. They just beat Auburn. I mean, all over the field in every shape, form, fashion, more physical. And that's the thing that, you know, I was watching that game the other day, and I'm like, how in the world do we lose to Auburn? How do we lose to South Carolina? And that's just kind of the the thing about the season that you're going to look back at and say, you know, <laughs> we just uh, – we were not very good at times in a league that was somewhat subpar this year. Yes. I think that's true. This league is not terribly good. But, well, I say that. No, I believe it. It's been a down year. You you miss a chance there. All right, but that's observation number one. Hang on. I want to comment on one thing you said before I move on to number two. Yeah, it's bad for Southern, but for the state of Mississippi in this modern age to try to support three major college football programs – I'm not going to be kind-hearted about this. The bottom line is, and you say this at the egg, when we were talking about Ole Miss winning a national championship, what's good for my rival is bad for me, and what's bad for my rival is good for me. Having fewer rivals within our own borders is a good thing. It just is. The splitting of the pie, the pieces are a little bit bigger for for us and the people up the road when Southern Miss is not good. All true. Yep. Hey, uh, this is uh, Sunday Coffee, like we said, on a Tuesday night, and I have had my third cup, just had it, of Strange Brew Coffee today. And so I am good and wired. I will still sleep sleep like a baby tonight, but I'm drinking my blueberry copper-flavored coffee here on a Tuesday night, Charlie. No decaf for me. Strange Brew Coffee House, the original location on Highway 12 and Spring Street. And then you have uh, Tupelo, Brupolo, and now in Tuscaloosa as well, but churn and spoon ice cream. Start your day the right way, and that's what our, with our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Great stocking stuffers, and uh, Christmas is just around the corner. So go to Strange Brew Coffee House, and, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. You can check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. Home Life Auto, their customer service is fantastic. Go by and see our friends across the state of Mississippi 
at Farm Bureau. All right. So I want to make my second point now. Okay. My second point is that Greg Knox is a good man. He's a good football coach. And Mississippi State should appreciate and respect that guy for a long time to come. Did we look great? No. No, 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 no. Let me be clear. And that wasn't a lack of motivation. It's just who we were. But to see the way the players reacted to him last week, to see the way that video of him driving the four-wheeler <laughs> was classic. In a year that those guys have been beaten down and things haven't gone well, for football to be fun for a minute, good for Greg Knox. So that's point number two. And that's a good point, too. And we talked about this a little bit last week, about uh, Greg Knox, first of all, at the end of the day, at his core, is a good person. He's a good guy. Because as you and I have both seen, there are some people in this business, in the business of college athletics, in the coaching profession, and around the country, who at their core are not good people. And that's just the way the world is now. And I mean, you could say that to any profession. But Greg Knox is a good human being. That's the first thing. And did we come out of the gate and play extremely well? No, we didn't. But like you said, Charlie, the team looked like they had a little bit of fun. How many, how many times in this situation do you see teams just lay down and completely quit? And we haven't seen that. And so that's, uh, that's the good thing about trying to hold it together with Greg Knox. And I agree with that. Yep. He's a great dude. All right. So as far as football goes, that's really all I have for you. You won. <laughs> it was a team that's a not very good opponent, but you won. And had you lost, it would have been – I'm not sure how you go deeper, but you would have. It was a win that we needed. Okay, so just full disclosure here, and, and you know this, I was broadcasting basketball, men's basketball, at the exact same time. I had live stats up. And so Coach Richard Williams and I, we were broadcasting in Connecticut. We were watching the live stats. And we were not playing great football, I, I don't guess, you know, just by reading Twitter and the live stats in the first half. So I ask you this question because I did not watch the football game. I watched the last quarter of the game, and it was over at that time. I saw the pick six, all right? First half, getting Will Rogers back, and it's been a month. The offensive woes in the first half, it just seems to me from the outside looking in at 10,000 feet like it was on Saturday that if you can't block it, you can't do anything. Well, and I think that was the difference in the first half and the second half. In the first half, we were running for about a yard and a half a carry. And in the second half, we were running for more like eight. And there was the, the Pittman touchdown run. Right. There was actually back-to-back carries that took place because they had cut it to a six-point game. And I was thinking, oh, no, this, this is not going to go well. But we get the ball back, we throw it incomplete, and then we run for 16, and then we run for a touchdown. And on those two plays, and I get that, that's a small sample size, but on those two plays, you had guys hold blocks long enough for Pittman to be explosive and get through the hole. And on those two plays, I thought kind of you saw a glimpse of what we were doing better in the second half. We we wore them down a little bit. But, look, I mean, we were one or two big plays for that thing going – Going the other you way. Know, you start to think, hey, you won by three touchdowns. That wasn't tough. Eh, wouldn't, wouldn't go that far. But we get a win. We needed it. And now 
we start to turn the page. I want to talk, if we can, about your trip to Connecticut. Well, not so much your trip, but the subject of your trip, (laughs) which was basketball. And I've watched, so obviously the converse was true for me on Saturday. I was watching live stats while trying to watch the football game. And through the first half, I guess we led by about six or so going to halftime. Had a little bit of a flurry there late. And I thought that was a good win. But Sunday, I came to the office. I sat down, got the computer out, thought I would have somewhat of a leisurely day answering some email, watching us just be coronated there as the champions. Northwestern had different ideas for a little while, man. Well, the thing about both of the teams that we saw this weekend, we've seen the good of Jimmy Bell this year leading up into this tournament. But then the question began, you know, how would we stack up against teams that had physical front lines, a legitimate center, guys that defended hard, guys that maybe have some post moves in the low post. I mean, both those teams had seven footers. Washington State, and Chris Jans talked about the before the game, hey, this is going to be the most physical team we've played this year. You know, we played Arizona State to open the season, but they were athletic. They were big and athletic. There's a big difference in big and athletic and big and physical. These two teams were big and physical. We out-physicaled Arizona State. Bad. It wasn't close. No. I thought, I thought the most physical team that we had played leading up to this weekend was in our exhibition game against Southern Miss. Am I wrong for saying that? No, I think that's absolutely true. So you kind of wonder what it was going to look like against Washington State, and it was just one of those games where you got a lead and you just couldn't expand the lead, and you just could not get far enough away. You know, you kept on looking for that 8-9 to nine to 10-point lead and you just couldn't get it. And then Deshaun Davis hit a, hit a, a, a bucket right before the end of the first half, and we go up by six at the half. And then the second half, we kind of began to – pull away a little bit, but they cut it to a three-point game with two and a half minutes to go, and we had had like two possessions in a row where we did not have very good looks at all, and Chris Jans called timeout, and we talked about this the next day on the pregame show, and he was like, hey, I just thought we looked a little discombobulated on the offensive end. We defended the floor. We defended hard. I mean, we uh, that's the staple. We're going to do that every single game. But we caught a play coming out of the timeout. Josh Hubbard inbounded the ball. You end up with Josh Hubbard in the corner. And uh, Richard Williams, who is so good. And he's the best. Oh, man. I'm, he's I'm the gold you, standard. He man. is as good as it gets when it comes to breaking down analysis of basketball and doing it in a hurry. And so Hubbard was the inbound guy. Then you set a screen for Hubbard, he comes to the corner. And we ran it, I think, three times this weekend, and every single time he was wide open. But you kind of wonder on tape what, what that's going to do for you going forward. But anyway, he popped a big three with two and a half minutes to go, and you go up by six, and that was almost – and you hate to say there was a nail with two and a half minutes and a six-point lead, but it just kind of felt like that was a huge shot, and it was. And we go on a win by 12 against Washington State. And then you come back the next day, Northwestern comes out of the gate. You know, Langford comes around, Langhorn, whatever his name is, a guy can shoot, this guy from Princeton. Hits about a 17-foot jumper. They come down to their second possession. He pops a three out of the corner. Next possession, another guy hits a three out of the right wing, and you're down 11 to nothing. Boom, boom, boom. And Chris Jans called timeout. And, uh, hey, it was just an uphill climb the rest of the way. But the thing about it was is Northwestern could never expand that lead. They, they led 15 to three. We only hit one shot in the first eight minutes of the game. It was 15 to three 
at the eight-minute mark, Charlie, 15-3. to Oh, no. I felt every – Oh, it was unbelievable. I felt every ounce of your pain sitting here watching that thing. And I, the one thing I was glad about is that I think because of the things I'm doing now, it's in my best interest not to create to tweet critically during a game. And I had to remind myself. You got to wait it out. Of that. You got to just sit back because it was, man, it was frustrating for a minute. And you know why it was frustrating? Because that was really the first time this year that a defense got into us. Not just the the front line. I thought their guards got out and defended the crap out of us around the perimeter. I mean, just got up in us. And we just, like we didn't know how to handle it. I thought we looked really, really out of sync early in the game. But on the defensive end, we kept on playing hard. And we did it without getting in foul trouble. Exactly. So, you want to talk about Jimmy Bell a minute, and you can say, man, let's take that Northwestern game. You know, he didn't have a big game. He had four points. He had four rebounds. But he gave you 21 minutes. He didn't get in foul trouble when you had that going the other way for Northwestern. And the other thing we did, you know, we went smaller there. And because you only went 21 minutes with Bell – but Guy Chole only played one minute, so you were able to give some different looks. You know what I'm going to be curious to see when we roll around on Friday? Is Josh Hubbard starting in place of Trey Fort? Now, Trey Fort started the game on Friday. Did you see him get popped in the nose? By Josh Hubbard, right? <laughs> I didn't see who who got him. I think it was All Hubbard. I know is there was blood everywhere. And so, and Trey goes to the locker room, and he comes back, and he's got two of the biggest cotton balls stuffed up his nose for the rest of the game. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, hey, you, you saw, you said uh, Guy Chole. Guy Chole, number 34, you know, he's a big dude from Sudan, freshman. You know, they, they wanted to bring him in, and I think the plan was, and Chris Jans will say this, was to redshirt the guy just to see if he was ready. Yeah, you know, because he really wouldn't went ready. And then he had the injuries of Tolu and then and Murph. And you've got to play him. Let me tell you, he's one of the reasons you won this tournament. And the reason is, I say that, is because in the second half, Northwestern looked a little worn down. And it was almost like, you know, we got off, you know, and hey, a lot of it had to do with Josh Hubbard. Kind of got after him a little bit in the second half. And if you look back at the, at the first game on Saturday against Washington State, we didn't have a single player play over 30 minutes. Not a single one. And Guy Chole in that game played a lot of minutes. And he did a great job of just kind of keeping the game where it was. He played 10 minutes in that game, had four points, two free throws. He shoots a good free throw. I don't think he's missed a free throw this year. He'll go 0 for 8 in the ball game on Friday night. Yeah, he will. But, hey, you only had one guy play more than 30 in the game against Northwestern, and that was Cam Matthews. And so Cam Matthews got in early foul trouble in the first game, and that's one of the reasons you probably played so many different variations of your lineup in the first game. But uh, but how about this? Hubbard, I thought Hubbard would – you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. My concern when Josh Hubbard came here is that he was going to be a nightmare for Chris Jans. I'm not talking about attitude. What I'm saying is when you sign the best player in your state and you bring him on and everybody in the state's known about him and he's got a lot of friends who come and watch him, my concern was – that Hubbard was going to be just okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it would be a Kamani Hamilton type issue, but draw a parallel that it was going to be a thing where he played 10 minutes and that he was just okay. 
And the problem is if you're a coach and you have that big guy come and everybody wanted and then he isn't playing right away and he gets mad and looks elsewhere in a hurry, which we now see, that's the knock on signing freshmen in basketball. Dare I but say Malik Newman? He, well, there you go. Um, well, he solved that problem for you, hadn't he? And I guess, well, you know, you always hear about this freshman wall and things like that. But ugh. he's different. I mean, that, that guy's different. Just the way he handles himself off the court. It's like he's been trained for this from day one. Well, here's the thing about Hubbard. And you know, the, the people that second-guessed him at all was maybe about his size. He may be a little bit undersized for a shooting guard. <laughs> Get off the floor. Well, that's what I was about to say. Well, he overcomes that with the athleticism. And so what's the other thing? If you have athleticism and you're a little bit undersized, how fast is your shot? Well, his shot is very fast. He's got a quick shot. Quick shot with elevation. And so he plays three to four inches taller than what he is just because of those tools. Well, he's – he has a chance to be a very, very special player. Uh, and I'm talking about in the history of the program. You don't want to put too much. I remember, you know, I'm good for a Bill Parcells quote now and then, but DeMarcus Ware, the Cowboys had signed him. And they were playing, he was a rookie. They were playing up in this Hall of Fame game in Canton. And I think he had caused a fumble, you know, recovered another one, had a sack. and It's all in the first half of this exhibition game. And as Parcells is headed to the locker room, the sideline reporter is like, you know, what do you think about DeMarcus Ware? He's like, you know, I think we just uh, put him straight in Canton. Uh, I think we just <laughs> just go ahead and put him in the Hall of Fame. Really, no, it's kind of done all he can do, uh, you know. And so, but I will say this. I thought um, Hubbard's just different, but he, he's not alone. You know, Sean Jones is a guy who, did he rack up the minutes? No, but when he's in there, he does something. Is D.J. Jeffries scoring like you want him to? No, but he had 10 rebounds in that game against Northwestern, and he defends all around the floor. Look, Rams Davis had some big moments he had in some those ball games. Really big moments. Hit a big three in the second game. And I think what the Northwestern game was indicative of, and it's not about Josh Hubbard, I think it's the overall scope of this entire team. I think this team defends it so well and plays it so hard defensively there are going to be nights where you have a guard. There's going to be a night that Hubbard can't shoot a lick. I mean, there are going to be nights. That happens in basketball. It you, could be Friday. It tends to happen in a hurry. Yes, and there are going to be nights where you just can't do anything offensively. But you've got enough guys in your lineup that somebody may get hot. You got you have potential that one guy – Trey Fort did it against Arizona State. That's I mean, right. He was a guy against Arizona State. Josh Hubbard was a guy against Northwestern. It may be Deshaun Davis in the game on, on Monday or t- Tuesday against Georgia Tech. I mean, so you play well enough defensively, and one of these guys, you've got so much depth on that back line, somebody could get hot. Yeah, no, there's no question. Um, hey, the other thing that happened this weekend, turning away from basketball for a moment, and, and that's soccer. We went to the yeah. Sweet 16. And I know that uh, for some people, soccer, you know, is just an afterthought. But more and more people – look, I had a meeting today. Somebody came by to talk about the Bulldog Initiative. And they were fired up to talk about James Armstrong, Nick Zimmerman, and what those guys have done for the soccer team. That's – we live in a part of the country where the talent 
it, look, it is really, really difficult to be good at soccer at Mississippi State. And, and volleyball. Yeah, both. And, and for that matter, softball. Softball. You know, they're historically, and that's not a knock on any of the players who are here. No, no, no. There's some great players within the state. The difference is there aren't as many. Right. Because there just haven't been the same opportunities for players to develop. It's not a knock on a talent level. It's a development level. But James Armstrong is a great advocate for Mississippi State. He's a good promoter of the university. And what they did, look, Stanford may win the whole thing, lose one to zero, one nil. Is one that nil. how you have to say it in the soccer world? It's the pitch, not the field. Well, I, the job they've done on the pitch has been really impressive. I hated to see them lose, but that's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, and when you see – and I, th- I thought that was the same thing about Julie Darty two years ago being a game away from winning the SEC in volleyball, to win at that level at Mississippi State is a truly special season. And that's not a knock on us. That's not me saying, hey, we take a back seat. But just looking around the country and looking at the resources that some of these schools put into, man, it's just uh, – and like you said, it's more about more about your base and how you recruit. And so – and that's why basketball – I mean, that's why football and basketball – have a chance to win regardless here because you have a base. You have a base of players that you can draw from. Yeah, I mean, you can go two hours and find some defensive linemen who are historically good. Right. right? You can go watch an NFL game. Saw a couple of them playing last night. You know who else is historically good, Bart? Maroon and Company? They are indeed. Maroon and Company. Go to maroonandco.com. And, hey, if you're coming in for uh, Thanksgiving night – Go by and see our friends at Maroon and Company for a, a blanket for the game. It's going to be a little chilly this week, Charlie. If you need a little bit heavier jacket than uh, than you got in the closet, want uh, some of that good interlocking MSU or the state script or any of the logos that we have now, the great logos that we have at Mississippi State, go by and see our friends at Maroon and Company. Go to maroonandco.com or in the store. Use the promo code NIL10, NIL10, and they will give you 10% off your purchase and then send 5% of that purchase to the Bulldog Initiative. And so, yeah, Wyatt Craig and those guys at Maroon and Company, they've been a great partner. And uh, so go by and see people that are Mississippi State people and get all your gear from Maroon and Company. All right, so we've got, uh, I suppose, a big week. We've got some big things on the horizon. I want to skip talking about the football game. We do have a coaching search underway. And we'll come back and talk about the football game. That isn't to be dismissive of it. But we have a coaching search underway. I get roughly 400 text messages an hour. Who are we going to hire? I don't know. No. Don't want to know. And we'll, we'll find out. This is probably the first time, and I think it's because I'm so busy right now, you know, the Bulldog Initiative, we've got the million-dollar matching program going on where we've had a group of donors pledge a million dollars. But we gotta go we gotta go match it. We've got to December first, and that's going pretty well. I'm working on some math, but that's been well, it's kept me busy. Well, and you know, I saw today where Matt Rule, the head coach at Nebraska, he's got a couple of assistant coaches right now that are being talked about for head coaching jobs. And they may be at some of the power fives, some non power fives. And he was talking about, you know, I tell my guys to go get a job. I'm not going to try to to hold you back. I will help you in any way get a job. But the whole key about getting a job 
in football is get a job that you can win. Get a job where the resources are good. I mean, this is I mean, you talk about the perfect speech for NIL is what Matt ruled, and he's a head coach in Nebraska, and what he said. He said, do not go to a program where you don't have support and where you don't have the ability to compete because it's a dead-end job. And so I think, you know, you look over the last week, the last two weeks, and the momentum of the Bulldog Initiative that continues to grow, that's, in today's world, I mean, the people, the fan base, have as much input now on the success of your program as they ever have. They do. And I think in fairness, one of the things that kind of has to be talked about is there are some people who are going to have this idea that because you have money, you're going to go into the transfer portal and you're going to rack up on star guys. There are other people with money going in the transfer portal trying to rack up on star guys. And I'll tell you this, there's a whole lot of people with money trying to rack up on our guys. Um, I had a player tell me, and this is illegal, of course, but I had a player tell me that he's been recruited harder now than he was out of high school. And he was recruited well out of high school. Um, as soon as Zach Arnett was let go, the portal opened for our players. We saw some go in, no harm there. But the phones have been ringing. And so I say all that to say this. Uh, I told somebody the other day, uh, they were asking me about NIL, and I said, uh, with your support, we may not be as good as we want to be in football next year. Without it, we definitely won't be. I mean, basically what it does is it at least gets you a seat at the table. But it, it's kind of funny, too. You know, somebody was talking to me the other day, and they, people like to use the money ball quote. Well, we got to play money ball. we got to play money ball. But people forget part of money ball was letting some guys walk, right? Right. You know, nobody gets real thrilled when you say, hey, we're going to play money ball and bring in Scott Hatterberg and uh, – Jason Giambi or Jeremy Giambi, whichever it was. They brought in Jeremy Giambi to replace to Jason. replace Jason Giambi. And then you bring in David Justice when he's about 40 years old. Right. So you have to be – people say, hey, let's play money ball. Well, sometimes money ball means, you know, you don't let anybody hold you hostage. And so that's why, you know, we'll have somebody go in the portal and then you'll see the post. We need to do whatever it took. Well – Sometimes the the smart thing to do is to say, "Man, best of luck." Right? Yeah, you hope that doesn't happen. I'm not trying to. Right. I mean, it, I, but it I, could I mean, happen. No, but it could. And, and it could, and, and it could happen everywhere. Well, and and here's the kind of the other point of it is, it's the opposite side of that when you go into the portal and looking and bring guys, right? Meaning that was a guy who left somewhere. So right now, it's just it's a it's a strange strange world. And one of the big things is getting a coach in place can help solve a lot of those things. So let me ask you, as far as um, you know, the early signing period being in December, is there any talk about moving that back? And what does that do? I mean, what does the signing day period look like if you did away with the December signing period? Well, I'll give you a reason to do away with it because I think it's unfair to high school students in this. It's unfair to coaches and teams and everything else because think about this right now. You're going to have a signing day where you have to make a decision. Do I want to take – I don't want to be too controversial. Let's just say offensive lineman, okay? And you're sitting here looking at the high school talent as a head coach 
And you have to make the decision now, do I want two high school linemen? Do I want one? Do I want three? Do I want a JUCO guy? Do I want two? Do I want three? But you don't know how many open spaces you have because the decision you might make on signing day could be very different on January 3rd after the portal finally closes. You get my point? I hear exactly what you're saying. So in a normal world, without the transfer portal, you can walk in your locker room and say, hey, we got eight guys. We got room for two. And so we're going to take one transfer and we'll take one high school kid. But what you don't know is, is a week after that signing day, when you thought you only needed one high school kid, if three of your guys walk in and say, I'm leaving, well, now you say, well, I wish I'd taken more high school kids or maybe more junior college kids, but they're already gone. And that's not unique to us. It's a case for everybody. It's absolute chaos. Hadn't it been that way in baseball? Oh, yeah. The the dates just don't match up. No, it doesn't make sense. It's not as easy, and and that's what makes it tough. And it's the interaction with the draft in baseball that makes it so hard now, too. Right, right. And that's the thing is, you know, you kind of look at it if you're just – you know, just a regular old layman out there don't understand the intricacies of the rules. You sit, sit there and say, well, I mean, how in the world did you end up with just two tight ends? You know what I'm saying? I mean, because that's how things happen. It's just the way the dates line up. You know who never gets caught off guard? Chris Keen. Yes. You know what? And I'm going to see Chris Keen tomorrow morning. Are you really? I am. You going to get you a new or used car? Indeed, I am. Wow. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to go to the service center. You know, their service center is now open on Saturdays between 8 and 12. And so if you need to get your oil changed, get a spray-in bed liner, get your tires rotated, want to see what that dinging's going on in your car, things don't ding as much as they used to. You just see the light that, that pops up. Usually the light that pops up is the low fuel when my wife has been driving the vehicle, but that's okay. But if you have lights that are not the low fuel, They'll check it out and tell you what's wrong. The body shop, but or also a newer used car, whatever you need, at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Go by and see Chris Keen. He's a general manager out there. Tell him you know Bart and Charlie. We may not even know you, but just tell him you, that, that you know us, and, and he'll help you out. Be prepared to double your cost. Yes, absolutely. All right, so we got to look forward to the battle for the Golden Egg this week. It's not the Egg Bowl. No, that's uh, – I saw a Mississippi State University – Facebook page, and like an official account on the university side referred to something as the Egg Bowl, and all I could think of was that Jack, Jack Crystal oof. would be livid. What was it, something about a Jackson rag or something? Oh, uh, it, it was the, no, he referred to the Clarion Ledger as an old Miss rag. Okay. And so, it was every, you know, Egg Bowl was coined by whoever was the editor, of the sports editor at the Clarion Ledger, and this is the Egg Bowl or whatever, and Jack was like, no, it's a battle for the golden egg. We're not letting that old Miss Rag name anything. So, anyway, I haven't read the Clarion Ledger in years anyway, so I don't know what they refer to. They probably do refer to it as Egg Bowl. Hey, I like, I like what you've done with the studio. Yeah, we're hanging in there. we got a little Bulldog Initiative decor. you got all kind of stuff going on in here. We still have the TV. We haven't turned the TV on yet. It's not exactly hooked up right now, but we'll work on that. Okay, but I, I like what you've done with the place. Hey, I will say this uh, in all seriousness, talking about NIL, we've taken a big, big step forward uh, over the past several months, and a lot of a lot of things have gone into that. Marcus Grant, so i got to tell you this. So Emmy Perkins, who is working with us now, our dad David Perkins works with Howard Technology Solutions. Hey, listen. 
And I was going to say, we got all kind of equipment around this place right now. A lot of high-tech stuff, yeah. high-tech stuff. Yeah, so we're working towards being able to do more video, more podcasts, things of that nature. But so Saturday before the game, we set up a table promoting the the fundraising campaign that we're on. And, man, Mar- we could have set up a table for Marcus to sign autographs. <laughs> I mean, he got more hugs from people, Marcus Grant, people just wanting to talk basketball and just glad to see him back here. That was really cool. Marcus uh, was a, actually a topic of discussion the other day when we played Washington State. And I think I brought this up a little bit on our show because, yeah, we did the show remotely the other day. I was there and you were here. And um, we're talking about the last time we played Washington State, which was December the 22nd of 2010. And then on December the 23rd, 2010, the night after Washington State had beaten us in basketball, they were playing Baylor after we had already played in the Diamond Head Classic in Honolulu. And I was talking to Greg Ellis, the former SID, and I forgot all this stuff because, you know, the game, the game cameras did not catch the action and the stuff that went on in the stands. Have you ever heard the story? ESPN at that time was just, they had just developed 4K equipment. And they had sent some cameras to the Diamond Head early in the season because it's early in the season, and they're testing out their 4K cameras. And so they just had, like, some extra camera guys shooting through, just trying to get shots they were not using on the broadcast. And it was actually those additional cameras, those 4K cameras, that actually saw the fight. And Washington State was playing at the time with Renardo and Elgin Bailey got in the fight in the stands. And so, Greg, so it's like the old Scooby-Doo ending. We almost got away with it. We almost got away with it. I hadn't been for those meddling kids. But they had the, the extra cameras there. And Greg said he, got, he gets a call from the producer, the ESPN guy, and he said, listen, man. He said, here's what happened. We got some footage. And he says, we got to play it. I mean, people knew a ruckus was going on. And we got it. We got to play it. And Greg was like, listen, I am walking the beach with my family right now. Give me two hours. And he says, you know what? The ESPN guy did. He gave, <laughs> gave two hours. Gave, <laughs> gave us two hours. If Greg before, had just taken a longer walk, <laughs> we'd have uh, avoided the whole before thing. Before it hit Sports Center, And then it all went to, went, went to crazy then. But that's the last time we played Washington State. But Marcus Grant was in the middle of that fracas trying to break it up. Because I remember Marcus standing in the stands, and it was almost like, do I really want to try this? Because, you know, Renardo and Elgin were two big dudes. Yeah, they weren't little guys. They had the big swings. You know what I found out from Richard Williams is that, you know, Marcus Grant was a senior on the 95 team. But when he came here, there was initially some hope to redshirt him as a freshman. They actually didn't play him to league play. But then it was just, hey, we got to have you. And had they redshirted him. He'd been on the 96 team. on the 96 team. But then you start to think about what happens to your, you know, that was the Dante position. Yeah, so then what do you do? Right. And, hey, we had the Northwestern game the other day. That was the hey, that was the Marcus Grant game because he was committed to Northwestern. I thought about that, too. And then he ends up coming to state. Hey, we're talking about Howard Technology Solutions. We've got all these cameras and stuff in here. HowardComputers.com. You can get all kind of AV equipment and monitors and TVs and just really anything 
in the technology world as far as from a broadcast standpoint, if you need it for your schools or your local government. But go to HowardComputers.com. It's a Mississippi company. Mr. Billy Howard started it back in the 1960s, a former three-sport letterman at Mississippi State. Mr. Billy still goes in the office every day, 96 years old, and he is sharp as a tack. And Will so, you go into an office at 96? It depends on what I've got going on at home. It depends on how many grandkids are running around the house and how loud they are. And <laughs> Be there every day. <laughs> might be there every day. So go to HowardComputers.com and see how this Mississippi company can help you. All right, so here's my proposal. My proposal is we get back together tomorrow. Okay. And we just have a Wednesday cocktail, whatever you want to call it, okay? Well, okay. You know, maybe some Baileys and coffee. All right, just a short show to kind of start to make the transition to later in the week. And then let's get together and knock out a deep dig for the ball game on Thursday. And here's my, you know, Bart, here's what I don't like. I don't like football teams that quit. I don't want you to quit digging deep on the opponent this week. So we're going to dig deep, not tomorrow, but Thursday. Thursday morning. What time is the game? No, it's not till like 6.30. 6.30. Okay, so we'll actually come in here Two days in a row, three days in a row, actually four days in a row if we're coming back on Friday. Yeah, we need a big week. This is a big week, and we're doing it for all of you out there because mm. we were not here on Sunday. We felt like we let you down. Hey, don't forget to uh, to go and rate the podcast. Rate the podcast. Leave a comment. because in a, the Preferably an- a nice one. Yeah, preferably in a nice way because of the analytics of the, broad- uh, the podcast world depends on you and so we need some of those five-star ratings and some nice words from you and do that on our fantastic reviews all right charlie anything else no that's pretty much it uh i'm gonna try tonight to get myself in a better frame of mind about thursday but i will say this i I do have one other thing i've had some conversations with players this week and i I will tell you, one of the things that I have been very pleased by is that even in the face of a lot of adversity, a lot of phone calls and things like that, we still have some really good guys who want to be here and really good players. And so what the hope is, is that should it come to it that you have some distraction, that it doesn't overshadow a lot of really good guys. And I'm saying that as if I know there's going to be distraction. I don't. I just know what last year was like. Yeah. Well, I just want to win. And last year we won nine games, so. Yeah. Man, I just want to win. Just want to win. Thursday night's a big one. Well, I've got to get my mind right for that. I know it. Hey, uh, once again, thanks. What's the over-under? Have you been peeking ahead to that? I have not looked at the over-under. Coach Polk told me today that Ole Miss is a 10-point favorite. Is that right? That's, I think it opened there 10, 10 and a half. Okay. Which is less than I thought. I was going to put it at about 12. Okay, three for the home team. And so you, that's 15 points. Okay, well, I mean, if you're watching with no maroon color glasses, hey, maroon color glasses may spur it the other way. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hey, also thanks to our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. And so that'll do it here on a Tuesday night. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Maroon & Company. Go to maroonandco.com and uh, type in NIL10 to get that uh, 10% discount. Also, you can use it in the stores as well. Our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers, countrypleasing.com. They've 
Butcher Shop down in Florence, Mississippi. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com to see how this Mississippi company can help you with your business security, with your outdoor security. And then Cannon Ford of Starville. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. Also for Bank First, go to bankfirstfs.com for all your banking needs. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. You're on Sunday Coffee on a Tuesday night.